Okay, today we're going to be in the book of Psalm, chapter 40. I'm going to be doing a special message today. And this book, the book of Psalms, is a special book to me. It's not just a good read, but there is so much to uh, to the depth of this book. It's the largest book in the Bible. Uh, the longest chapter is in the book um, is in the book of Psalm as well in the Bible. So there is some great depth to what we're reading here. It's, it's the book of Psalms is, is more than just a form of a poetic uh, outlook or outline. There there is so much more to it. When you look at the book of Psalm, the the whole book of Psalms was com- pretty much fa- the foundation was compiled from five uh, five different. Uh, scrolls if you will and what they were was is they were they were categorized from the different types of psalms you had um you had messianic psalms which was that in regards to the coming of Christ you had torah psalms which was in that regarding the laws of god you had uh, lament songs which was lament as we know is is kind of like a crying out for and then we had Hallel Psalms, which is Hallelujah in, in the form of praise. And then we had Thanksgiving Psalms of David and, and the other authors that have helped write the book of Psalms gave just that, forms of Thanksgiving. It's a very diverse book. And what's interesting is, is that the book of Psalms is actually one of the most quoted books by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, right there next to Deuteronomy uh, when it comes to Old Testament Scripture. But the book of Psalms, the Lord himself has a lot of quotes that he, that he quoted during his time. And then on top of it, there was a lot of Messianic prophecy. A very large majority of Messianic prophecy was in the Old Testament found in the book of Psalms as well. So there is a very special, special place for me in my heart, and I hope in yours as well. See, when you read the book of Psalms, a lot of pastors over the times uh, have taught and said, which stands true, that they'll say that if you want to read a couple of small reads in a day... Read the book of Proverbs in the morning to give you that daily wisdom to start your day out with. And then at night, read the book of Psalms to help comfort you. Because the book of Psalms is a very, a lot of it's a, very comforting. And I will say, if you're gonna read, if you're gonna read something to your child at night, this would probably be a better read than most other books out there that, uh, that we do read to them. It, it sure beats watching uh, something bad at night that'll keep you up at night. This here, this here will definitely help you rest with ease. And so, when chapter forty, chapter forty is where I was led. And when we look at this uh, chapter forty, it's not a big chapter, but by by looking at it. We can see out of the five uh, different types of psalms that I mentioned. I could see two to three here. I could kind of see a little bit of the Lament Psalms. I could see um, and the Thanksgiving Psalms. And of course a little bit of the Hallel Psalms. Kind of wrapped up into one. And, and you'll be able to see that for yourself as we, as we go verse by verse. If you have your Bible with you, we will be in Psalms 40. And so again, the author of the majority of these was none other than King David. And and so if you know the life of David, 
King David had one of the most interesting lives that you will ever read. And when he was reading the, writing the book of Psalms here, as we can see, you know, if you've ever read about his stories in the book of First uh, and Second Samuel, he went through a lot of things. Some of the things he caused himself. Some of the things others caused for him. We've seen a man that at one point had, had backslidden, but returned to the Lord in truth. And what we're seeing here is almost like, almost like a journal of David's own personal uh, prayers and his own words to God. And, and again, it's like looking into the journal, into a personal journal here, between a man and, and, and his God here, our God here that we're going to be reading. And, and it's a very passionate, very passionate book. And this book is just more so also bringing forth the essence of worship, of true worship. And, and again, when we look in depth, we can see that the worship that he had with God. And, and when there is no superficial relationship, we're, we're looking at in, in an in-depth walk. And, and David, again, he did so much. He was a man of many talents. David was a, as we know, when he first got called and, and found by the prophet Samuel to anoint because God had showed him that this young man who just happened to have been shepherding sheep in his family because his family wasn't wasn't really liking of him. He was a, he was a young man. But God said that young man out there is going to be the one that I am choosing to be king. And he wasn't just also going to be king. He was going to have a dynasty of a lineage that led to the Messiah. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, during his time, he became, at first, he was, he was also, again, he was a sheep herder in the beginning. He was a very talented musician. He was a poet. He was a very mighty warrior. And he was also the greatest king that Israel ever, ever had. And, and so David here, what we're seeing is part of his poetic abilities. But what we're really seeing is his heart being poured out on a piece of paper that was, that was found and that was put together for our observance in the essence of the worship of God that he had. And I pray that as we look at this, that again, that it goes beyond just a good read, but it becomes a discipleship. It becomes a uh, something that lures us into the closeness of God. Because it goes beyond just reading for the sake of reading. We must dig our roll our sleeves up, sleeves up and start to dig a little bit because there is treasure to be found. There's oil to be struck. So as we get started here, we're going to be in Psalm chapter 40. And, and so, uh, again, on the website, I do have a, a section on there to where you can follow along if you don't have a Bible. Uh, there's a section on there to where you could actually read along with different versions of Bibles, but I read from a New King James Version, uh, just in case uh, you want to follow along with what I'm reading. So I'm going to start off in verses 1 through 3. And it says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me. And he heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, 
out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. And he has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. You know, having to wait for something is never easy. Now, especially if it's something that's vital to you. And as I mentioned, you know, David has gone through more turmoil than probably ten people who have had rough times put together. Uh, it's been said that he lived the life of five men. And, and, if, and if you were to look at the, if you were to look at the life of just five men and put together their trials in life, that would be the one, the one life of David. So what we're seeing here is the praise and recognition of deliverance. There, there's the saying that God, that good things come to those who wait. But the, you know, the benefits in this case were recognized in four ways. You know, first, as he said, he was lifted out of despair, and then second, that his feet were set upon the rock. Third, he was able to now stand firm, and then fourth, God put a new song of praise in his words and his worship to God. And when we've gone through some rough waters, God pulls you through. And when God pulls you through, did you not feel like a new person? You know, blessing at times, blessings at times were not received until we have passed the trial of waiting. You know, it's, it's funny how people love gold jewelry. It's, uh, some people love diamonds. But you see, someone had to make that gold through an intense refiner's fire. Okay, to where the refiner keeps the gold in that fire, and he spins it and twirls it and turns it. And he does it, and then he knows that the gold is done when he's able to pull it out of the fire, and he sees his reflection in the gold. Then we have those who like diamonds. Well, someone had to, (laughs) someone had to dig those out of a dark mine from the dirt. Out of some sort of pit, out of miry clay, just like David said that he where he was. What God was doing with King David is no different from anyone else. You know, God's not like a high school teacher or a junior high school teacher who will just pass you uh, just to get rid of you or out of their class. He makes a, he makes us take it over until we get we have completely got it. I remember hearing a true statement. That a good teacher will always repeat themselves until it has been grasped by those who are learning. And if, if there's something I've learned about God, is that his hearing is beyond anything or anyone's hearing. He has the greatest hearing ever. But David said that he heard his cry, and he inclined to me. It's as if he inclined and leaned forward to hear what he had to say. You know, we can always hear best to those who are standing closest to us. And God did the same for those who were walking closest to him. He hears all things, but he inclined to the man after God's own heart, which is what David was known for. Yes, a wonderful and mighty king. Yes, a great musician. Yes, a powerful, mighty warrior. Yes, he was all of these things. But his most famous... I would have to say his most famous legacy was being known as the man who sought after God's heart. So as we continue, let's take a look at verses 4 through 8 now. And he says, Blessed is that man who makes the Lord his trust, 
and does not respect the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord my God, are your wonderful works which you have done, and your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. And then I said, Behold, I come in the scroll of the book, it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. I like that. Blessed are those who make the Lord his trust. Was the was the main thing that the Lord looks for. You know, sacrifice and offering, he, didn't, he did not want, he said. The sacrifices were done because of sin and downfall. The Lord would rather see obedience over sacrifice any day. And, and Samuel the prophet told Saul, the very first king of Israel, who, who King David served under, he, uh, he used to uh, play music for Saul. Uh, he was kind of like his worship leader. And he was also a military man for him at one point. And that the Lord, see, the Lord has great delight in, in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Okay, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. A, a life and attitude of devotion is what could be seen in the Psalms and in this chapter. When God blesses a person or a ministry, see, we're not to boast we're not to boast about it, but we are to declare the glory of his works. A, a desire to do his will was that of the Bible's godliest men and women that we've seen. Again, David was known not just as the greatest king Israel had, but again, the man who sought after God's heart is what I will make known here. When we look at ourselves, we know that we are not going to love someone who doesn't love us. At least as, as deeply as we love someone, and, and they want nothing to do with us, we're not going to be receptive if we're to be completely honest with ourselves. But as where God himself has, that, has the heart that deep down loves us much more than anyone else loves him, you know, if, if we were to be 100% honest with ourselves, we can see that. That, that God loves us more than, we'll, more than we love him. And I, I look at the Last Supper with Jesus and his disciples. And the one that was sitting closest to him was that of John the Beloved. You know, John the Beloved put his head on the chest of Christ. Kind of like a child does in a loving demeanor. Putting his head on his bosom there. Wanting to hear the heartbeat of his loving Savior. And see, David makes the recognition of wanting to do the same with God. Looking at verse 5, that your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in order. We can never outlove or outgive God. But giving Him our best, He knows. That is something that He knows and, and what He looks for. But again, like I said, David did some pretty bad things in his day from time to time. But God knew his heart. It's amazing, if you've never heard the story, one of the first things that he ever did in his downfalls was taking the wife of one of his, uh, one of his soldiers by the name of Uriah. David happened to have been uh, out at night 
overlooking at his roof and seeing the wife of his wife uh, of his uh, soldier named Uriah. Her name was Bathsheba, and she was bathing that evening. And David took a look at her and was astounded by her beauty. And David wanted to know who she was. And basically, they said that is Bathsheba, the wife of your of your servant, your of your of your military man Uriah. And David requested that she be brought to him. Well, David and her had an affair. And Bathsheba had become pregnant with his child. And so David tried to, once once David found out, he tried to cover it up by getting Uriah drunk one night and pulling him out of battle and telling him to go ahead and go home and be with your wife. And then by therefore, he'd be able to go home, be with his wife, and they would cover it up. Well, it didn't happen. Uriah refused to go home to be with his wife and ended up sleeping outside with his men before the battle. So David then decided to have Uriah killed in the battle. He said, I want you, I want all of you, when you guys come up, I want him on the front line, and then when everything starts to happen, I want you to back off, and therefore he will be killed in battle. That's exactly what happened. He was killed in battle. But then Nathan, who was David's prophet, came to him. And he kind of used a parable about somebody. About somebody who didn't have very much and, and, how, and how this ruler came and took his only lamb from him. And to make a long story short, when, when, when Nathaniel was telling him the story about what, what was going on, David was furious. And said that this man should be killed for what he did. And, and the prophet said it was you. You have done the same thing with your servant Uriah. And who you, by how you took his wife. David automatically repented. Nathaniel said that God has forgiven you. David had to repent. David had to, had to suffer many things. But again, God showed his mercy because God knows the hearts of every man. David was the man after God's heart. And David did repent. And David did, did walk with God. But again, throughout time, he fell, he got back up. He fell, he got back up. And that's what we're seeing here in the book of Psalms. We're seeing his life here on paper. Let's take a look at verse 9 through 12. I have proclaimed the good news of righteousness in the great assembly. Indeed, I do not restrain my lips, O Lord. You yourself know I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have declared your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great assembly. Do not withhold your tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let your loving kindness and your truth continually preserve me. For innumerable evils have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken me so that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of my head. Therefore, my heart fails me. So now we're seeing part of the lament psalm that I mentioned to you. And as, and as again, as I observe the psalms of David, he's allowing his heart to be seen on his sleeve here. Again, the personal diary written to God that God allowed us to see. 
And one of the great things allowed to see was his proclamation of praise and worship. Recognition of God and his love and power and God's abilities. But, you know, he also recognized his own weakness as a man. David did. The things that that have come upon him were the results of his own iniquities. But again, here's where God had favor in King David. It was David's continual faith in his praise toward God. And the key was is it was being done even in the worst of times. You know, a true test can be seen of how close we stay to God through the best and the worst of times. It's very common for people to only call upon God when things have gotten bad. When things are going good, we live a quiet life. We tend to, we tend to draw away from Him because things are going just fine. And sometimes vice versa. We want to make sure that, that through the best and the worst of times, that we're, that we're able to walk close. I've said this before, I will say it again. What God wants to see is how well we all glow in the dark. And, and Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11 and 12 says, And we desire that each one of you should show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope to the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. You know, we love to tell people the hard things we have gotten through uh, when, it's, when it's said and done. You know, a doctor who was skillful in your life um, doing the operation, kind of, if you will. The, the, the kind person who mysteriously paid a bill that was vital to your household. We, we just can't help ourselves but to speak about those things given or, or done in our favor. But how much more to give it to God? Because whether it was done through somebody or it was, it was a divine and a miracle, it was all done and orchestrated by the hand of God. You know, I've always liked what Jesus said, that not even a bird falls from the sky without my Father knowing. And he, he even said that the birds of the air are provided for. How much more important are you? You know, in our faith, next to the faithfulness of God's differs because human faith always differs, depending on a situation where, where his is perfect and irrevocable. David's spiritual resume proved the writings that we see. And that is the key of what we're seeing here is, again, as I like to call his spiritual resume on, on a piece of papyrus that was written. In verse 13 through 17. He says, be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let them be ashamed and brought to mutual confusion who seek to destroy my life. Let them be driven backward and brought to dishonor who wish me evil. Let them be confounded because of their shame who say to me, aha, let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let such as love your salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified. But I am poor and needy. Yet the Lord thinks upon me, You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay me, O my God. See, the Lord is pleased to to deliver his people. You know, especially when called upon in faith and confidence of the Lord's provisions. 
Now, some people, when they read the Psalms, and especially the Lament Psalms, can be shocked to see the request of David and the punishment of the enemies against him. You know, people would say, well, doesn't this contradict what was said about loving your enemies? (laughs) You know, if you are a parent, I think this would be easier to understand if you have children or grandchildren. You know, especially those who love your children. What would you do for your child when those who want to harm them do so? Even if your child did something that you didn't like, you would still protect them, I would imagine. Well, God did that for David. Why? Because he was his child. Did God let David get away with murder? No. Did he let him get away with adultery? No. But he was delivered because he belonged to the author and finisher of his life. But verse 16 says, you have, you have to love, let all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let such as love your salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. And when blessings and deliverance happen, I'm, I'm led to, to James chapter 5 verse 16, which says, uh, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Uh, in other Bible versions it says that the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. See, but we can read the Bible our whole lives. We can go to church every Sunday and hear a message. But if there is no connection to the Lord, the source of our lives and the the source of the power that he gives, then all is done in vain. You know, I'll, I'll give an example of a story I heard about another man who visited New York. There was a big power outage in New York. And what had happened was... I guess Canada had some sort of major trans, uh, transformer issue which took out a lot of power from Canada as well as the power from New York City. And, and to see a place like New York City in complete darkness is, it has to be an interesting sight, but somebody was there for it. He said he got to the, uh, he got to the airport, everything was shut down. He was able to get a cab, and he was able to find a hotel which had one vacancy. And as he got to the hotel, he checked in, and they gave him a flashlight. And as he walked up to his stairs in complete darkness, he went into his room in complete darkness with nothing but a flashlight. He opened up his window, and he looks outside, and right there is a Marriott hotel that is completely lit up. This hotel is lit up, there's live music, there's hot food, he's looking at what's going on over there and he just said to himself, I gotta go over there and see what's going on. So he makes his way over into the hotel and sure enough he says there was televisions on, there was sports being played, there was live music, there was people having a good time, he said the heater was on, hot food was being served to everybody. So he found the assistant manager. And he said, what in the world is going on over here? How is it that you guys are the only place that is lit up? And the manager said, well, we just happen to be the only ones who ever made provisions to have a gas generator. So that way we would never be in the dark. 
We're the only ones. Everyone else continued just to, to, to have the status quo of the same old generator. But you see, this Marriott Hotel used wisdom. Because they wanted to make sure they were always connected to the source to have power in, in, in order to be in the light. And, and, and that, is a, that was the key. They made the provisions that nobody else was willing to do. And it was one place in a big city that was, that was lit up. I guarantee you it's where everybody would have wanted to be that night. Why? Because they were connected to the source for a power source. As we must be as well. We cannot be connected. And, and think that we're going to have power if we're not connected. We can know the Word of God. We can read the Word of God or know of the Word of God, but there cannot be power unless you are connected to the source. And when I look at this, I think to myself that may we do our best for the Lord because He, you know, He loves us no matter what. And as we can never outgive God, we can never outlove God, He treasures all things we do for Him and His name and His glory. I pray that our devotional life to Him will be stronger. And remember that when you walk with someone, you're going somewhere together versus staying in the same spot. May we walk with the Lord on His straight path. Because again, may we do our best for Him. He loves us no matter what. But our devotion to Him, whatever our devotion is to Him, is a gift. It is a gift that He does not throw away. And again, I want to give the opportunity for you to be connected to that source. There is only one way that the Lord said, which is to be born again by receiving the Lord Jesus into your heart. We must be born again in order to see the kingdom. And I will always remind us of one of my favorite verses in the Bible when Jesus was on the cross. And one of the thieves next to him that was taunting him at one point said, out of nowhere, he was convicted and said, wait a minute, we deserve to be up here, but he doesn't. And he looked at him and he said, Father, will you remember me when you enter in your kingdom? And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you, you will be with me today in paradise. Why? Because that man on the cross recognized who he was. Number two, he asked him to receive him. Number three, Jesus says, you're coming home with me. If you want that same opportunity wherever you are, I want you to say this prayer after me. Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Please forgive me of all of my sins, Lord. I confess to you that I am a sinner. And I ask of you, Lord, to receive me, Lord, as I receive you into my heart. I thank you for cleansing me, Lord, of all of my sins, Lord. 
I receive you as my Father, my Lord, and my Savior. And Lord, may you receive me into your kingdom, Father, when my time comes. For Lord, I love you. I praise you, Lord, as I am now a child of yours. I pray of all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, out of decisions that you'll ever make in your life, if you've never said that prayer in truth, may this be the best time for you to ever do so. Because tomorrow is never guaranteed. And I like to tell you, this is the greatest decision that you'll ever make. Because time is of the essence. And if there's anything we all know is that our time on earth will be short. But our place in eternity will be eternal forever and ever. And by receiving Him and staying the course with Him, He has given you a place with Him in paradise. So may God bless you and keep you. And may you walk strong and in faith. God bless you.